This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Nebraska preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. Up, oh, that's the big voice guy. That means that I get. Uh, well, actually, I see him a lot more than just when we do the podcast. But I get my weekly blessing. I'm with my main man, Jacob Padilla, as we are in another week of Nebraska preps post game. A lot of hoops. A lot of hoops. A lot of hoops. You've had a little time to decompress, not only from coaching, doing your thing at OSA, me as a a dad and a fan of the Crusaders and the Adidas team. I guess they're separate entities. I'll say the three SSB. I found yeah. like I feel like Gilligan's Island. Like I want to say the Minnow. <laughs> Whatever. This, <laughs> that whole weekend was lost. <laughs> so so that may be fitting. But uh, I, at first, I gotta get a quick. I gotta get a quick Suns take, as we have had a couple of off days. A very unique series. But I'm telling you, I have a sneaky feeling the three days rest will be more beneficial to your Phoenix Suns than it will be the home team Milwaukee Bucks. Definitely. Coming off a win like that, um, you kind of feel like you want to get back out there and play again as well as the Bucks played. The Sun, It just kind of felt a lot like uh, Clippers Game 3 vibes where um, the Suns just, for whatever reason, they weren't ready. They didn't bring it. You could see like they were getting beat all over the glass on both ends of the floor. Um, defensively, they just weren't as locked in as they had been previously. And obviously, Booker was just kind of out of it for whatever reason, um, settling for jumpers, um, and then didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So. High, high degree of difficulty, yeah. which is he sometimes can fall into that, right, where yeah. it's kind of a little Kobe-ish. Now, I'm not saying he's got Kobe's scoring prowess, but eventually he may, so that may not be as far-fetched as I'm trying to talk myself off of. But sometimes he acts like a diver, that gets more points for degree of difficulty than <laughs> he does for just getting a bucket. Yeah, and I don't know if it was coming off the the previous game where he shot the ball really well and he's uh, feeling like, all right, got to try to do this again or what the deal was, but it just he's so been up many, and down the last two weeks. Yeah, definitely, very up and down. And so and the difference there was just so many. Um, he didn't try something different. He just kept going back to the early clock pull up. Um, long threes wasn't even really trying to to do much different so that was kind of the difference as opposed to some of the other games where he has struggled where the ball just hasn't gone in he just wasn't in it for whatever reason and there were again a lot of sun uh, a lot of sons that were like that plus the the DeAndre in foul trouble that's that's hasn't really happened yet well how about uh, you how about your premonition rearing its ugly head he has been a guy all year we haven't talked about Aiton in foul trouble but but what does Jacob Padilla say he says well you know I mean, if something unfortunately happens to Aiton, they're going to be stressed because, as you said, <laughs> the five spot and the backup guy is definitely an issue for the Phoenix Suns. And what happened in Milwaukee? Yeah. It reared its ugly head. They have to go to a zone. It was sieve-like. They couldn't rebound the basketball. It's like, yeah, they yeah. don't practice this much. 
And, and they've had some success with the zone some. for different stretches, but that was more like, all right, let's throw something at them versus we have nothing else to do here. Um, so that's, it was more desperation versus strategic there. Um, and it, it worked briefly, and then Milwaukee figured it out, and that was over. Um, and again, we had to see too much of Frank Kaminsky. Um, it's Dario Scharge. Overexposed, really as yep. you like to have said last <sighs> year. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It just doesn't work. That is a one hole on the team, and it was kind of the one miss to this point on James Jones' resume was brought in um, uh, the dude that's Lakers signed for a little bit, yeah. uh, big guy, uh, Damian Jones. Yeah, Jones. Um, and uh, Who you'd like would, to maybe have right now because he got waived in uh, the regular season, right? Or uh, maybe not. Am I reaching? I, yeah, I don't think Hindsight, he'd do Hindsight, not 2020? From what he showed, he uh, I think he had more fouls and points um, when he did play as a son. So, Wouldn't you like to see Giannis get touched more, though? Well, kind of. The problem is, like, you touch him, he's going to the free throw line, no matter what you do. In now, that, now, hold, in now, that hold on. Hold on. Because <laughs> the Suns have shotten, shot, shot, shot. <laughs> shot a lot of free throws. The disparity in games one and two, I didn't hear. I didn't hear nary a peep. <laughs> the disparity in game one, game two, that didn't happen. Game three, Giannis shot more free throws than Suns. So, and, we're, so we're even. Yeah. So, and that's kind of like uh, Monty talking after the game. It, the gamesmanship, uh, just like Bud did after game one. Um, you just put it out there, see if um, you can get things to, to change around. It's just. That one in particular, um, there are a couple fouls there. It's like, what are you supposed to do? The like number the, four gimme on Aiden was a head scratcher. Yeah. Right? And he'll learn from that. Oh, yeah. And right? You just can't give up a cheapie when you're that valuable. 100%. And that's something he's been really good at. And it just, again, the Suns just weren't locked in. All of them. There wasn't, I don't, outside of Jay Crowder, who uh, you hate lose, uh, wasting one of those games. Um, in a loss. Yeah. Right? It just, Chris Paul wasn't um, at a great level. It just... Um, did being played, in your opinion, did him being played 94 feet bother him? Uh, maybe a little the bit. The early Teague I, substitution, I was like, okay. I, I'm fine. Play Teague as much as you want. Yeah, uh, that's going to horrible. Yeah, that's going to – whatever trade-off you're going to get, the Suns are going to win that battle. So you, you feel like doing that, bud? Go ahead because that's only going to make Chris Paul mad. He's going to figure it out, and it's going to make you pay for it. Um, so I, part of it, I think, was first time – going on the road against a team with a real home court advantage. Um, and that's yeah, something that... Because Milwaukee is the consummate front yeah. runners, right? Uh, like, when they're going, it's... It was the first real raucous road environment that the Suns have been in because um, with Clippers, <laughs> with, with the early start times, like the, Which, they were all arriving late. Which, by the way, is the second biggest front-running team. <laughs> when they're going well, it looks good. But, like... Again, with the early start time, the fans trying to get there from work and late in L.A. traffic um, just kind of wasn't the same. Whereas in Milwaukee, the fans were there 40 minutes before the game cheering them on during the warm-ups and all that. Like, um, y- it was a complete different type of um, environment than anything they pre- played previously. And this is the Suns' first uh, playoff run. So, uh, disappointing showing, but I'm not panicked yet. Um, I think they'll learn from that. Uh, just like they did in the Clippers series where they bounced back strong from um, that, that game three loss and eventually figured some things out and obviously won the series. So, so, so two little subtle nuances, and this kind of leads me into what we were seeing uh, in, in, in Birmingham over the weekend as we'll get into uh, the Birmingham tournament. We'll talk local uh, with where you were with was it 
were they calling this one Midwest Live, or yep. what was this one? Yeah, Midwest was Live. Mid- yeah, this was Midwest Live. I get them all confused. <laughs> I feel like I should know them like the back of my hand now. But where Milwaukee kind of started to ice ball screens, where they step out, they, they cut you off, they don't allow you any real openings out of the back gate, or should I say maybe it would be sideline. There's no real clear vision where they just stop it right now. I felt like that and a little bit of kind of the George Teague deal where you guard Chris Paul 94 feet, you try to wear him out. I thought that was significantly better, JP, than what we see here is where you run, you wait and pick him up at half court, you get a high ball screen, then you're chasing the rest of the way, which was driving me crazy, especially if you have a good point guard. So I felt like those two adjustments, at least for now, advantage Milwaukee. Well, and the Suns have been so good at countering whatever Milwaukee started them that. Game one, um, they uh, they were staying to the shooters. They were daring Chris Paul and Devin Booker to beat them in that in-between area, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, twos, uh, efficient twos yeah. added up to significantly more than threes. Game two, um, they, they kind of shifted their defense. They tried to take away more of that, gave up threes. Uh, Suns uh, rain threes on them. Game three, they kind of shifted some things again to kind of both take away the um, the three, the easy catch and shoot threes, and make it a little tougher for um, the guards in the middle of the floor. But what that left is um, eight in opportunities because you can't necessarily take away everything. And early on, we saw it was an eight in game. He was dominating in that first quarter and a half, and then when things kind of fell apart, do you like as the, a whole, do you like the double switch? That they try to incorporate to stop the roller off the two-man game. It's risky because an additional skip pass is going to be a wide open jumper. But they took away the opportunities at the rim for Aiton from the second quarter on. Yeah, and that's kind of where the Suns as a whole kind of falling off. They, they've done so well to counter and um, react to every kind of punch thrown their way. And it just didn't happen in this game. Again, it's hard, the guys it's hard for role players to be role players on the road. That, that's a huge part of it, and especially for role players in their first uh, playoff series. And but part of it too was the guards' the decision making. They just weren't seeing the floor, making the right plays the same way they had been previously. So I, I'm just kind of chalking it up to one of those games where the Suns just didn't bring it. Milwaukee desperate, obviously coming back home, um, needing this game. They they put their absolute best out there, and the Suns just weren't able to answer it. But I don't think that'll be the case for. Um, three more games. Yeah, as we get ready to have uh, the Adidas Championships uh, come to Omaha this weekend, we got three main spots to cover. We have Birmingham, i.e. Hoover, actually. We have Atlanta, and we have Omaha. If we're just taking the 30,000-foot view and you look at the general results, which city left you the most surprised? Uh, most surprised. Hmm. I I was not surprised by what happened here in Omaha. That that's where I was this weekend. Um, I think uh, Lincoln Supreme um, National One was kind of the the top um, area team that was here, and they got a chance to go up against the Mocan teams um, and a couple other teams. A um, couple guys showed some things, but overall they kind of struggled to, to to put together a full game there. That's kind of as expected, but it was a good experience to play against teams like that. Um, I guess probably um, probably Birmingham. And, I would have, I'm I'm in complete agreement. Yeah, uh, and that's we're talking about the the Adidas 3SSV 
uh, teams down in the first uh, weekend of the 3SB circuit. Um, and the the 17s there went 1-4 uh, and four, one, or 5. 1-5. and five. Yeah, they're the, um, they're the one team that played, played the additional six. game. Yeah. It went one and five. The uh, the sixteens went three and two. Three and two, and then the fifteen. They gave the game away against Levine, Team Levine, yeah. which they'll probably be kicking themselves <laughs> over. Uh, and then the fifteens they struggled, which you know, there's no such thing really as good losses. But one thing, and I'll be curious to see today as they practice at four thirty. Um. They really struggled with athleticism and aggressive wing play. It wasn't even so much bigs because they are a little undersized. I That 15 team is, is interesting to me because they're highly skilled. Highly skilled. But I think the missing ingredient for them is toughness. Mental toughness. The ability to hang in there against athletic teams that just keep coming. Not necessarily shooting it well or very pretty off the bounce. Just teams that play hard. And, and that that's that's a problem for them. And they've got a guy that can bring some of those things on street clothes on the bench right now, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, yeah. one Caleb Benning. Yeah. So that, that I, does hurt. But. It it does. And he he really struggled watching. Um, <laughs> it was so. hard for him, especially when he sees kind of those bigger, stronger guards get in the paint and kind of kick. But you know, um, when you shoot, when your game is predicated on turning teams over and making open threes. They didn't get any of that. They didn't really turn teams over. It was um, it's a new role for C.J. Mitchell, who I actually think this tournament will be good for him in the long run because he had to guard the best guard, which is a handful unto itself, and he still has to get them into their offense and help score because he doesn't have another backcourt mate. And I, I felt like he's going to – C.J. Mitchell will come out of here better – and he had two really good early games. I, I felt like it kind of just wore him down. Just wore him down. And uh, the better teams you play, the less he can rely on the the trapping and the kind of oh, full-court yeah. pressing and all that stuff that they like to do that, that's so successful, um, that had been so successful for them that teams just haven't been able to handle. But the bigger, stronger, more athletic teams you do, it's, it, it's tough to succeed that way. So you're going to have to sit down and really guard and be in help and rotate and all that type of stuff in straight uh, man-to-man defense. And... Um, like you said, I think this is a team that is not used to losing. They had wa- lost one, one time yeah. the entire spring, in uh, the first weekend uh, in July, and here we go, losing three straight games. Yeah, lost by 16 to a team in, in New World, or One World, yeah. New World, New World, uh, Quinn Cook's organization, that they had beaten by seven in Atlanta, which I thought was their best win to date. Um, game Elite. They gave it away. Um, Lost by five on that one. But I tell you, so it's it's funny. I felt like the 16s played the best, where I would say over, they were probably the closest to who I think they are. The 17s probably maximized the most, and they only had one win. Because you know what they do? I'm going to give them some credit. They're not – they don't have the best personnel, right? They, yeah. they, they're they missing a little star power. 
they played hard and they lost close games. I felt like they maximized their time out on the court because they left it all out there. Now the 16s probably played the best. Still only went three and two, and they gave the game away against Team Levine. But um, by far and away, I thought the 15s were the most disappointing. But you and I talked after watching on Friday, because yeah. you were just getting ready to go to your 6 o'clock game. Yep. I feel like I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is going to get sick of talking to me. <laughs> but zones. You, you, <laughs> and we saw, this, we saw this in Atlanta, too, <laughs> yeah, boy. Where, where we see zones. And as you described it, go ahead and walk our <laughs> – Walk yeah. our followers through. What is so disappointing about seeing zone during this life period? Yeah, I. Uh, so I, I paid the fifteen bucks for the day or whatever to watch at least a few of the games during the day on Friday, yeah. um, and turn on the seventeens game, and they're playing Team Levine, and they come out in a two-three zone and stay in that thing the entire game, and. I would say lost that game forty to thirty nine. They just could not throw forty it in the to thirty nine. If you're if you're listening, forty to thirty nine and a seventeen U summer game yeah. is and it should be criminal. Yes, like so. I'm okay with using zone strategically. Like they're part of the game. But when you you first live period in two years, coaches are there for the first time. Your kids are finally getting a chance. John to John Calipari, Bruce Pearl, D one coach, Coach Mac. I mean, there were a ton of coaches in attendance. And you're out there having your kids sit in a zone, which doesn't show that you can guard one-on-one. It makes it harder offensively, too, to evaluate because there are only certain ways, like certain things you can do against a zone that you don't get a chance to go one-on-one and make a play uh, for yourself or your teammates quite the same way against a zone that you do against a man. So it's just, it's just tougher to evaluate individual players, which is what coaches are there for. Uh, so, like, it's just frustrating to see – um, and they, they had like a seven-footer. Yeah, they got a big guy that can Jacob Padilla was nonplussed about <laughs> folks playing 2-3 zone. He did. And I'm with you, though. Uh, and their entire organization played it, too, right? Yeah. The other two teams played it as well. Yeah. So that, that's like, as a coach, like, I don't run zones. Like, during the summer, um, my guys are there to get better, to try to show what they can do. Now, that's honestly, your it. last game on Sunday, yeah. did you think about it? <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was that was a frustrating one, but yeah, I knew you were disappointed. Oh, yeah. You know what? For a guy, it's actually kind of cool. This is just on a friendship yeah. level where you're always so measured and you take stats and you're very calculated. Watching you coach and actually see some emotions, I, at least I know you're human because <laughs> you were not happy on Sunday. Yeah, no, not happy on Sunday. It was, and not, neither were the players after the game. It just just one of those games where um, they were hitting some tough shots and we weren't reacting well enough to take away the shots they were making and we weren't answering on the other end. Uh, we got it all the way down to three uh, after trailing by double digits in, in the final minute and then immediately had a defensive breakdown, gave up an and one. And on the next time, gave up another breakdown. Um, we're full court pressing. We weren't trapping or anything. We were just playing man and then kind of playing off of that. And we just didn't get matched up twice in the final minute and gave up buckets off it when we had a chance to get back in and win that game. So that that was disappointing. But it's, again, kind of like your 15s. First time my guys have lost more than once all weekend, we went two and two. And I know those guys were not happy after it. So hopefully we'll be able to use it, get a good practice in tonight, uh, and head down and hit the road uh, for the Hardwood Classic down in Kansas City um, for the first time. Let's go to Atlanta because it's garnering a lot of attention with what's going on with um, on the Under Armour circuit a couple of offers a lot of offers actually come out of 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 that one watching 
the Supreme Factory combination team. They went, I believe, five, four and one. Uh, so the, the 17s. The 17s and uh, 15s both went um, six and one. And the uh, the 16s went one and six. So, and the 16s are going to struggle, I think, yeah. to some degree, right? 17s, I felt like I didn't love the competition. Yeah. Yeah, they... But they were efficient. They handled their business, right? I think part of being... I always tell people this. Part of being great is being good all the time. So I didn't think they were spectacular. They handled their business, which in the summer... I think speaks volumes to what good teams should do. You don't you don't play down or up to competition. You kind of establish your level of play. I don't think they have anything to apologize for. No, at least five double-digit wins. I've got six of the seven scores pulled up right here. Um, and the one that was a single-digit game was one of the best passes I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Pulled out a 64-62 win over Team Thrill. And Supreme had the ball on the baseline, one second left. Tie game, and Papio South, Daniel Brokeo drops back, chucks it down court. Jason Green pins his man behind him, catches, lays it up in one motion, game winner. Yeah. Like, if you haven't seen that, go go look on Twitter. That's there are a couple. I, of different I don't. Videos. I don't care if you're Philip Bates, if you're Jason Cahill, if you're Nate Glantz, if you're Cole Payton, <laughs> any of these great quarterbacks that have played in the last thirty years. You watch Brokeo's pass to Jason Green. That thing was on the money. Yeah. How it didn't hit the ceiling, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And Green has poise enough to lay it in on kind of the Rajon. I call it the Rajon Rondo. Inside on the left hand. side, it's oh, it's yeah. underneath, and he uses his right hand on the left side. Um, yeah, That was an unbelievable finish. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, um, it's again, like you said, they, they, they weren't really challenged too much outside of um, the one lost was to uh, Riverside. Riverside. Um, but... Yeah, to, to be able to pull out a win like that, that that's huge for them kind of moving forward, executing in late-game situations. And I know a um, few guys down there obviously ha- had really good weekends based on some of the offers coming out, and they're the guys that we kind of expected. Uh, Jason Green finally gets that Creighton offer. Obviously, the Jays have seen him plenty, been watching him over the last few years. Now, how about Creighton staff double-dipping, being very efficient, making the pit stop in Atlanta, popping over to, to Hoover or Birmingham, right? Like... Very, very efficient during the live period. Yep. And so so Green picked up that and re- got the Iowa State reoffering um, with the new staff there with T.J. Otzelberger. Um, so um, good for him. And I have some things to kind of think about now here going forward, especially if he keeps playing like this and in front of more coaches. And Jay Dawson kind of finally started to, to, to go for him. Um, where so, Drake- so we've got Drake. Um, we've got another one in a George mobile. Mason and Indiana State. Indiana State yep. is who I'm thinking of, the Sycamores, and George Mason. Yep. He, his stock. Oh, yeah. Pretty explosive, right? Like, he reminds me, this is kind of a weird analogy because it's a different sport. But some people are, are kind of think you either have it or you don't. There's two things about Dawson that I'm pretty impressed with. Number one, he's much more explosive than he's ever been at any point in his career. He's now become – he was known as a three-point shooter. He's now – he can finish above the rim and not afraid to finish above the rim. The other thing is his fitness – 
he he's worked himself into he reminds me a lot of Keegan Johnson. Now it's a football analogy, but all of a sudden Keegan kind of grew. People used to question his speed, then all of a sudden he was fast. People used to question kind of how elusive he was, and all of a sudden he was quick. Just good testaments to when you get in the gym or get in the weight room and you train and you work at it. God's got a long way to go before you're being finished as a, as a 16, 17-year-old. And that's something that we've hit on kind of consistently with a lot of the different stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, going back to the high school season with a team like Creighton Prep and uh, just some of the yeah, people that we've Evans talked to. Evans and, yeah. and the, the whole backcourt, right? I mean, the, the, the leap they made from last season to this past season. Um, and then we talked to some of the skills trainers and um, for our series in the spring and how much they value those partnerships with the um, the athletic training, um, weight step, all that kind of stuff, along with the basketball scale. So um, Jaden's good, another good example of someone really buying into that and realizing, hey, I've got a chance here. If I put in all the work, um, I can make my dreams come true. And it's it's always cool to see um, he's that got start a, to happen. He's got a chance to debunk my theory, too. I usually, so I've done this a long time, right, since 2003. And that goes, that's not even playing. This is just Coaching in the metro and being around kids. I've always said, if you don't bark as a pup, you don't bite as a dog. Jason, or excuse me, Jay is a guy that was kind of reserved. Yeah, definitely. For a long time. He appears to be kind of a yard dog now. He's barking quite a bit, which that's the part of his game I didn't really expect. Yeah, and so with him now, it's he's got the tool. Six four, long arms, obviously bouncy like we talked about, and can shoot the ball. The key for him is how consistently well can he play against the elite up, talent. Exactly. Yeah. And that's going to determine ultimately where he tops out as. Um, he's obviously already a mid-major. He's a mid-major plus talent at this point. He's got quality mid-major offers now. Can, can you attract somebody a little bit higher? Can you get up to that um, kind of um, – whether it's the high major or kind of just that tier right below that. Um, that's kind of what I think he's shooting for now. So we've seen Illinois, Chicago. We've seen Old Dominion. We've seen Liberty. Um, we've seen Purdue. Um, you kind of expect Iowa State. You kind of expect Creighton. You kind of expect Nebraska. Are you surprised with all these offers? Josiah Dotzler, again, I just mentioned Liberty. Liberty, yeah, his first offer. Um, congrats to him. Uh, yeah, outstanding and good player. Yeah. Really starting to kind of settle in. I, not to go all Bellevue West here, watching them play is going to be interesting. They have a few X factors, the Stuvies, the Jason, the, the Jane Jacksons. Um, and then they got all the transfers too on top of that. You know what? I almost think that's secondary, but not necessary. I love a rope. Don't think he's necessary. You got William Kyle. I like Mitchell. Don't think that's necessary. I like, we talked about Turner, like his development, like Ellen Turner's development. I worry about those guys, worry is not the right word. It will be fun to see if they next step, yeah. right? Because it was easy with a, playing with such a winner like Chucky where it's like, yeah, he'll make a play. Yeah. If they make that jump, they got depth. I say all that to say it. Basketball is one of those funny games where I watch, you said something that totally sparked my whole thought. Playing well against like competition. Why do you think that is so elusive or evasive in the hoops game? I don't see it near as much with baseball here locally. 
I certainly don't see it with volleyball. I don't see it with football. You don't get Carney Bellevue West without people rising to the challenge. Why do you think basketball is one of those where when you get a like opponent or a like defender or an offensive player where it's like, hmm, let me see how this goes. What makes basketball different? Well, is it the ISO game? Is it like, well, I guess it, it just is kind of the, the, the tougher the competition, the harder everything is. And, uh, Which is like that with most sports, though. For sure. Um, but uh, I guess I, I've never really thought about it in, in other sports that it's, way. It's weird, um, right? If yeah. I see Cristo and Hood, I'm thinking that's baseball. But it's, it's, it's different. I think football is different. If I see Devin Jackson and Deshaun Woods, I don't think they're thinking, ooh. But somehow basketball emotions and the the mono mono impacts the game differently. Well, and part of it too, I think, is you've got five guys out there, and so yeah, everybody is involved in every more play. You're seeing more reps uh, within a given game of each individual player. Um, so you're seeing those uh, basketball is as much. <laughs> there are ten guys out there, but it's as much of an individual sport uh, from that uh, standpoint as anything because so many guys get a chance to touch the ball and make plays throughout the game. Um, so that could be part of it too, is where we're kind of seeing more chances for guys to either really rise to the occasion or kind of fail to do so. Um, whereas in football, um, some, it, it kind of, there's so many different parts that go into it. Like the quarterback can't do anything if the line doesn't hold up. Um, and, um, and the receiver can't go make a play if the quarterback can't hit the broad side of a barn. Oh, so, um, there, there's so many different parts of it. Um, but that, that is kind of, that, that's what the live periods are for and why um, local organizations have tried so hard and worked so hard to get to this point where they can send their best to the highest level of the competition so the kids can prove themselves. Or if uh, <laughs> kind of maybe it's sort of reality check as well for everybody thinks um, their kids at D1, you go up and play against some of the best players on those circuits and then like, well, maybe those D2 offers aren't so bad after all. Yeah, and you know what? With basketball, I think it's the one sport where you don't have to really separate so much levels there's really 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 good basketball players at a multitude of levels I don't, I don't care if it's drake if it's illinois chicago if it's south dakota state if it's north dakota state um if it's duke if it's Kansas, they're just good players i mean look at acemas yeah. <laughs> i mean you think max was like ah you know what being at Fort Wayne here, I, I, I think I should take a back seat to fill in the blank. It just doesn't work like that in hoops. It's it's in tr- it's captivating to me. Yeah, um, that's why the game's so great. And um, there are, and whether you, even below DV1, Division Two, NAIA, there's really good basketball to be found at every single Yeah, level. how many people do you think are chomping at the bit to, to put Northwest Missouri State on the schedule? <laughs> yeah, I don't no, care no. who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Nebraska may give pause to putting Northwest Missouri State on the schedule, right? Yeah. And I'm, I don't think I'm. Is that out of pocket? I mean, you're the measured guy. Is that crazy? Like that's just how hoops works. Yeah, I mean, the the very top of each level can definitely go up and compete against um, kind of the lower lower part of the next level. Um, that's just kind of how it works out um, because the um, sometimes. Guys will fall through the cracks and be uh, an absolute stud at a Division II level. Um, what we're seeing, Ryan Hawkins, 
transferring to Creighton. We've seen a few different guys go from yeah, the D2 hey, he's pretty sweet. to uh, the D1 level and have a chance to show, like, yeah, these guys are definitely good enough to play at this level. So that happens all the time. And sometimes guys would rather go, like, yeah, I could take a low major uh, offer and go play somewhere against bad competition, or I could go to this really good Division two program, be a star, and have a really great college career. So those are decisions that guys make as well. In our last um, couple of minutes here before the big voice guy and the music starts, how excited are you for – Adidas to be coming to Omaha this upcoming weekend. I'd be more excited if I was going to be here as well. But um, <laughs> our national teams, uh, we're going down to, like I said, mentioned uh, mention we're going to go play in Kansas City because there is no kind of secondary part of the Adidas. It's just all the Adidas games here in Omaha. So I've Which got my is team. weird we because go everybody's somewhere. going to Kansas City on the 23rd through the 25th too. Yeah. Right? Which, well, we were speci- uh, originally supposed to go to Sioux Falls this week, but um, kind of – with the, the falling out with the Stanford Pentagon, we, we, we withdrew from that. So we had to find something somewhere to go this weekend. And there, there weren't a lot of great options. It was Kansas City. It was like Texas or like somewhere in Wisconsin. So it was like, yep, Kansas City, that's, that's a good, uh, good one there. So, and Todd Miller, um, he does a great job with his job. tournament. So we'll, we'll, we'll finish out the all three live periods. We'll be at one of his events. So Yeah, so um, we've got uh, – we're in Omaha, and I say we, me. I'm, I'm in Omaha for Adidas this weekend. Then we've got – Kansas City, the 23rd through the 25th, which should be highly competitive. Yeah, especially with kind of the DSL being done. It'll be interesting to see kind of what some of the other teams outside of the OSA teams, they get in that field. Because it's always a fun tournament, the Hardwood Classic down there. They, he's attracted some really good programs to his tournaments over the years, for sure. So for you, before we let you go, if you're trying to – What's the hardest thing for you to extrapolate between summer basketball and how guys will play in high school? Like what, like what are you negotiating with as a guy that keeps stats? You see a ton of games. We're in a lot of gyms together. What's the hardest thing to keep portable when you want to make an assessment for how the regular season will go? Uh, the first part is, especially for younger guys, um, the difference between playing against guys your own age and playing against um, older guys. Um, th- that is a difference. Like you, if you're, you're going to go have a really good 15-year year or summer and then go and then you're playing against 17, 18-year-old kids. Yeah, we saw Marcus Glock play against Brokel. Yeah. Like, uh, Glock is fantastic. Brokel is a big, older, strong body. Yeah. It was different at the camp in Wahoo. So that's one part of it. And then the other thing is what it's, it's kind of the, the mesh between the coach and the player and the system. And sometimes guys just don't quite fit where they are as well as maybe their summer teams. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen that before where guys have played well for me and they go and it just hasn't quite worked um, uh, uh, at, at the high school level where they haven't been able to be a, a significant piece, but um, still good basketball players. So it's, it's just kind of a fit. Um, before we go, I did want to mention there was one more. Um, uh, the, the National One teams at uh, OSA were up in Indi- uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis for the Adidas Gold um, uh, event. They were uh, OSA was able to work out to get them into that tournament as the Nebraska Crusaders, and it sounds like that's going to be a thing moving forward. And they had a good weekend. I think they can make that work. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. The, the, uh, based on how this first weekend went, they definitely got the talent. The 17s went 4-1. and one. Um, talking with coach, uh, Pat Freeman up there, uh, Casey O'Malley had a really good week up there, um, had some really big games. Dane Peterson is just an athletic freak. 
and he makes a big difference. L- l- little pogo stick. Yeah. Um, it's weird. See, I cheer for O'Malley, and it's not popular. Number one, because I coach at Westside. <laughs> Number two, prep drub Westside twice. I'd play with O'Malley. And it's good for him to have some success because I don't think he was the most consistent in June. I, I would agree. Um, so I think big for his confidence to come out here and perform well on a, a, a really uh, at a high level event like this. Sixteens. Um, they also went four and one. Um, Coach uh, uh, Joe Chavis was filling in for um, Lane Lindbergh out there, who wasn't able to make the trip. Um, I. I didn't get to see necessarily kind of how individual guys did up there, but that's a good team. We practiced with them all spring. Um, got some really good players there. And then the 15s went 3-2, and two, um, led by the Gretna contingent. Wes Frost had a really big game in their hey. first game and then played well on top of Joey Veith and Alec Wilkins. Uh, you know how I feel about Veith. I think his future's still in football, yeah. but he's one of my favorites. No better real shooter at 15 years than Frost. Yeah. Right? I mean, he... He can shoot that thing. And he got, he got some looks uh, this past weekend and made him count. So, right. yep, I think that this weekend showed that uh, Nebraska kids, they, they can definitely play no matter where you go. They go out and represent the state pretty well. We teased it last week real quick to get into class B in terms of rankings. We'll do it next week. <laughs> Let's just talk about our fave five real quick. Wahoo? Yes, no? Is Wahoo in B? They're play C1. I think they should be B. They have 424 kids. I'm trying to get them to bump up. I can't ever keep track of them. All right, bounce back and we'll, forth. we'll stay with B. We'll go Plattsmith. Or excuse me, Platt, Platt View. Scott. S- sorry, guys. Scott. Ron Colley's up there. TJ or, or maybe. TJ, that's dad. Dad. Or maybe the, the next best player after in class Connor B. Milken, yep. I, I'm with you. Uh, Bennington will be in the mix. I'll have a chance there. Um I don't know if they'll top five, but Scott's Bluff um, will be interesting this year in terms of Team Out West. I saw this weekend the Nebraska Select play, and Tyler Hari, um, 6'4 kid, can really yeah, shoot the ball. can shoot it. And they got a big transfer in um, Austin Thine from Mitchell. Um, really, really good point guard. Just <laughs> I, I don't know. He's, uh, but So you, that's going to be a really good duo out west there for Scott's Bluff. So it'll be interesting to see kind of whether they can find the role players around them to to be in that mix. But that's a team that I'll keep an eye on for sure. You hear the music. That's Jacob Padilla, one of the best in the business. I'm Old DB. We'll be back next week. It is Nebraska Preps postgame. A Hood at Media Production.